Good morning, family. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, some of you did not let uh, 702 to stop us from uh, seeing you next week, as in today. It's good to be in the house of God and to worship together. I uh, just want to give a quick announcement, and there's a video clip we're going to pr- play before we go into the Word. And next week, we have Pastor Eric Bapatel, who is the senior pastor of Every Nation Midrain, who will be sharing the Word with us. Uh, pastor Eric is one of the guys I really, really respect when it comes to prayer. So many testimonies that he shares of how he's seen God work through prayer. So you don't want to miss that next week. And because we are continuing a series on War Room, as Dennis mentioned, it's our prayer series. There's this uh, video clip that we want to play for you that gives you a sense about what we're trying to achieve with this prayer series on War Room and where we got the name from. So if you haven't watched the movie, I encourage you to watch it, but be careful who you watch it with. Let's play. I don't know where you are, devil, but I know you can hear me. Yes, You have played with my mind. Ah, Yes, he did. And had your way long enough. Yes, he did. No more. No more. You are done. Hi. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies. Your schemes and your accusations and get out. You got to go. In Jesus' name. Hi, You can't have my marriage. You can't. You can't have my daughter. <laughs> and you sure can't have my man. This house is under new management. Hi. And that means you are out. You gotta go. Come on. Come, come on. <laughs> That's the kind of warriorship that we're talking about. Devil, you gotta go. Be careful who you go to the movies with. So, I had a friend that I went to watch a movie with at uh, Rosebank, and I didn't know that he had this powerful anointing on him. And this guy was cheating in the movie, and my friend stood up and said, Liar! Liar! <laughs> that was the last time we went to the movies together. He's still my friend, though. Love him. Love him to bits. Friends, uh, the series on War Room, it's something, uh, it's a topic that's very close to heart. And uh, last week we started talking about praying relationally, and today we're looking at uh, praying with purpose, how we should be praying with purpose. This last week was amazing. I don't know if you realize this prayer fest that we had, you know, a week of prayer and fasting, and on Thursday we had corporate prayer, we had worship night, and we ended the week with a prayer night with the kids, which is outstanding, just being in the presence of God. I want to remind you something that Pastor Sif shared with us last week, that we do not pray, or we're not even doing this series to get you to pray more necessarily, but it's to get you to pray so you can know God. It's to get you to pray so you can get closer to God and build this relationship with Him. So this is one of the things I want to start by saying this morning, is the more I pray, the more I want to pray, because I get to know Him. The more I pray, the more I want to pray because I get to hang with him and to spend time with him. You can't say you're in a relationship with someone and you only see them once a week. You can't say you're in a relationship with someone and you only see them once a quarter or once a year. You've got to build relationally with our King and our Lord. This is what uh, John Piper says about prayer. Until you know that life is war, 
you cannot know what prayer is for. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. When we understand that life is war, what we face is war, then we understand why we need to go on our knees and pray and trust God for breakthrough in our lives. But not only our lives, but praying for other people as well. So um, as I've been preparing for this, the, I felt like sharing with you uh, just a few thoughts on the different types of prayer that are in Scripture. And then we're going to focus on uh, Hannah's prayer that is in First Samuel, Samuel chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there. We're going to read there. But before we read there, I just want to give you these five types of prayer that are in Scripture. If we were at the grow course, we would have time to actually unpack each and every one of them. But I'm sharing with you so you can go and study further and see there's so much to prayer than just what we are teaching this morning on Sunday. So the first type of prayer is a prayer of supplication or a prayer of petition, uh, petitioning, entreating, and making a request unto God. We, we, we find this word, the prayer of supplication, in Ephesians 6, verse 18. You'd remember that in Ephesians 6, that's where it speaks about the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. And I want to remind you what the armor of God is, so that as I describe it to you, you remind yourself and think to yourself, which of this in God's armory that I'm not carrying that I need to pick up? The Bible speaks about the armor of God being the shoes of the gospel, so wherever we go, we share the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks about the, breast, the, the belt of truth that we put all the time to live with the truth. The Bible says, put on the breastplate of righteousness so you live a life that's pure, that's holy before the Lord. It also says, take on the shield of faith so that you can be able to block the flaming arrows of the enemy, the darts of the enemy. And then it continues to say, take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it ends with, put on the helmet of salvation to protect you from the enemy's lies to protect you from thoughts that comes from the enemy. I don't know if you realize, as I'm describing this armor of God to you, that it doesn't speak about a back covering. It does not have a back covering. And I believe that is why verse 18, after it has described the whole of the armor of God, it ends with this word. It says, pray with all kinds of prayers in the Spirit and with supplication, praying for all the saints. And the reason why the armor of God does not have a back covering, it is because your prayers and my prayers provide a back covering for each other. So basically, when I'm praying for Greg, I am covering his back. When Greg is praying for me, he's covering my back. When we pray for each other, we are covering each other's backs. So when you speak about a prayer of supplication, and praying for all the saints, we are covering each other's backs. So please pray for me because I need you to cover my back. And I will do the same for you. The second type of prayer we find in Scripture is a prayer of agreement. Remember in Matthew, the Bible says that when two or three gather in my name, there I'll be there. But when two or three agree on one thing here on earth, it will be done in heaven. The third type of prayer we find in Scripture is a prayer of consecration or a prayer of sanctification, being set apart, being made sacred. You read John 17, verse 17, the Bible says, Sanctify them by the truth. 
your word is the truth. When we pray the word of God, we are being sanctified, we're being set apart, we're being made holy. The fourth type of prayer we find in scripture is a prayer of thanksgiving. I don't know if you notice when you read 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5 from verse 16, I like this short verses of scripture. It starts by saying, rejoice always. So as Christians, we should be rejoicing. Amen? That's why I'm waiting to see your smiles. Are you rejoicing? And then it says, pray without ceasing. It is not about the length of the prayer. It's about the consistency of the prayer. Pray without ceasing. And verse 18, it says, give thanks in all things because this is the will of God. Give thanks in all things. And the last type of prayer is a prayer of intercession. Standing in the gap and praying for others. So I want to give you the scripture that really sums up what prayer of intercession is. And then we'll go into our subject for today. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, I looked for someone among them who will build the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I will not have to destroy it. But I found no one. God says I looked for an intercessor. I looked for a prayer warrior. I looked for someone who will build the wall. I looked for someone who will stand in the gap, but I found no one. So this is to say for us saints, when we pray, our prayers are building a safe house for God's people, but for also those who do not yet know the Lord. When we pray, our prayers are building a safe house where people can come in and find a place of refuge. About a week ago, uh, my family and I, we were blessed to be able to go on holiday in the Kruger, uh, Kruger National Park, and uh, we saw the big five. This is not to brag. This is just to say God answers prayer. We saw all of the big five because we prayed, Lord, can we see the big five? And we we're trying to teach our children that God answers prayer, but we were also going to use it as an opportunity to say some prayers God does not ask, does not answer, you know. And every day we will drive and Lindy will go like, who's got faith to see the lion? And me and the girls will say, yes, we have faith. And there'll be vo this voice in the, in the back seat. I have faith. <laughs> God loves us all. <laughs> Even when you have a teenager, we just keep praying. And we will see a lion that day. And the next day, Lindy asks again, who's got faith to see a leopard? we got faith. I've got faith. God still loves you. God still loves you, even if you have faith. But we saw a leopard that day. And I want to remind you, God cares even for the smallest of things. God cares even for the smallest of things. You remember Pastor Bill Bennett shared with us a few weeks ago about the microwave that was not submitting. And in the name of Jesus, the microwave started working. God cares even about the smallest of things. While we were on holiday, we watched this uh, TV show. It's called Weather Gone Viral. And... Uh, Man, my, my, this, this, this show, I don't know if anyone has seen it, Weather Gone Viral, a great show. Uh, it's about tsunamis, earthquakes, tornadoes, and uh, basically uh, it shows how people are saved miraculously, rescued miraculously from this atrocious events that happen. And uh, uh, my kids noticed that some houses in America, they have uh, safe houses, places of refuge or emergency rooms, so when something happens, they can be able to run there and be safe. And my two girls, when we came back from holiday, they were determined 
they found a location in our garden where they're going to dig and build a safe house for us because we need a safe house. You can imagine, uh, they called me to a meeting and said, Dad, we need a safe house, and we've located a place where we need to build a safe house. And then I saw that as an opportunity to teach them something. And I said, girls, even though we may need an emergency house, a safe house, when we pray, we are building a safe house. Our prayers are building a safe house. I reminded them of Isaiah 54 verse 17, which we pray every night without fail when we go to bed. It says that no weapon forged against us shall prevail. And I used the opportunity to share with them that, you know, like Job prayed that though he slay me, I will trust him. That there will be times when God does not answer prayer, but I will continue to trust him. I used the opportunity to share with them about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fiery furnace and they were praying and saying, God, save us. But they even said to the king, God, even if you do not save us, we will not worship anyone else but our God. I used the opportunity to teach them. But I, I believe that the thing that is burning in my heart today for us is this. When we pray, we are building a spiritual safe house or an emergency room or a place of refuge for those in the house of God and those who do not know the Lord. We are, when we pray, and I'll share some of the stories now that will show you and help you to see the power of our prayers, building a safe house, an emergency room for those who do not know the Lord. So let's read together First Samuel chapter 1. I know this is a number of verses that we're going to read, but I want to remind you that in this church we believe the scripture literally that says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. We devote ourselves to the public reading of scripture. So we're going to read the scripture, and I'll make some comments as you go along because it's a, it's a number of verses. And then I'll share with you a few thoughts before we close. There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zopim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroboam, Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, I, I mistook that to be Tofu, <laughs> son of Zoph, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. If we pause here, uh, just so that we can understand and follow the story, you notice that Hannah was mentioned first, then Pinana, so it means that Hannah was the first wife, and because she could not have children, uh, the guy Elkanah married the second wife to be able to have children with the second wife. Sounds like the story of Abraham and Sarah. And we read that uh, Hannah had no children, but year after year, he would, they would go from their city to go and offer sacrifices to the Lord of hosts. The first time the phrase, the Lord of hosts, is mentioned in Scripture is right here. There's a law of first mention in Scripture. So when it's first mentioned like this, the Lord of abundance, it means that God provides. We continue to read. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penana, his wife, and to the other sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. I don't know about Penana, 
Though the Lord, just, just saying, just saying, just saying. You know, sometimes you read certain things in Scripture and you don't know what to do with them, right? <laughs> but if we had time, I'll explain. Because Hannah was the first wife. He loved Hannah, and Penina was just there to bring children. Sad but true. Sad but true. Let's continue to read. Though the Lord had closed her womb, another part of Scripture that are like, God, why would you close her womb? You don't know what to do with them, but there is a significance to that. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It's repeated. Repetition is emphasis. So it went on year by year. Another repetition. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Forced fasting, I call it. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Strong words there. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, that, that very phrase is repeated again. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but I will give to you, I will give to your servant and give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head. Just a, no, a quick comment on no razor shall touch his head. It means the Levites at the time, or those who are consecrated to the Lord, they would not cut their hair. And then he continues to say, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. This is the closest we find in the Old Testament, about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. She was praying in the heart, but her lips were not moving. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink. I didn't know that there were strong drinks in those days. Man, the Bible has got everything. But I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out with great anxiety and vexation. In closing, then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, prayer of petition, prayer of supplication, that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant found favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, based on what we've read, if you continue reading the story, uh, Hannah went back home, and they were able to have a child, and the child's name was Samuel, because Samuel means I asked him of the Lord, and the Lord answered the prayer. Based on what we have read, Scripture is telling us of this woman who prayed year after year after year after year, trusting God for a child. 
The scripture that we've read, it explains to us that every time they go to Shiloh, where the Ark of the Covenant was, they will go to offer their sacrifices, but they will also bring their petitions, their supplications before the Lord in request and say, God, this is my need. So the Bible says Hannah will go over and over, year by year, to pray and ask the Lord of a child. I want to remind you something very important coming out of the story that uh, the time period from when you start praying for something to when the prayer is answered is as important as that prayer being answered, if not more important. The waiting period might be as important or more important than the prayer being answered because God is more interested with you aligning with his will, with the work that happens. What do you do when year after year you've been coming to church and you're praying and your prayer is not answered? What do you do when you have been in a connect group and praying and trusting God year after year? What do you do? I want us to use the example of Hannah and say, what did Hannah do when she was faced with uh, this groaning need of having a child? But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring my soul before the Lord. I'm here to say to you that whatever is troubling you troubles God's heart. Whatever is troubling you is also troubling God's heart. Will you pour out your heart to the Lord? Will you pour out your heart to the Lord? Let's unpack this further to understand why was God holding back and closing Hannah's womb. You would understand as we read here that, in in fact, God wanted Hannah to come to a place where she can begin to pray prayers that are aligned with his will. God kept that prayer from being answered because he wanted Hannah to come to this place of understanding what his bigger purpose was. Let me put it this way to you. Hannah was looking for a child. God was looking for a prophet. Hannah was looking for a child. God was looking for a prophet. It is when our desires and God's desires coincide that we see breakthrough. It is when our desires, that which we desire so much, so badly, when it is aligned with God's will, there was a shift that needed to happen in Hannah's prayer. The shift was this. Uh, Hannah st- stopped praying just for a child. She said, God, when you bless me with this child, I will give back this child to you, and he will serve in your house for all his days. It was only when Hannah prayed that prayer that her prayer was answered. Some of our prayers are not aligned to God's will. We are praying, but it's not aligned to God's will. Let me just emphasize this point. Praying prayers that are aligned to the will of God is like this. Last week, Pastor Sev shared so well from the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer states this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus again prays when he was facing Gethsemane, when he was facing the cross, and he says, Lord, may this cup be taken away from me, but not my will, your will be done. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, we have this confidence that when we pray for anything according to his will, he hears us, and he will answer when we pray according to his will. A big takeaway for us today, I want you to Ask God to teach you to pray according to his will. How do we pray according to his will? There's two ways we we can pray according to God's will. The first part is when we pray the word of God. 
when you open the scripture and you say, God, this is your word, and I'm going to pray in line with your word. The other way to pray in line with the will of God is when we pray in the spirit. Because the Bible says the spirit knows the mind of God. The spirit understands the mind of God. That is why when you read in Romans 6, Romans 8.36, it says, He helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit makes intercession on our behalf with groanings that are too deep for words. So when we pray in the spirit, we are actually connecting with the heart of God and with the will of God. I have been praying with a group of guys on Saturday mornings from 6.30 in the prayer room. And a group of other guys and just came and joined us. And the prayer is really, really growing. I did notice that some of the guys are single. So who knows? Maybe they're praying for their wives. I'm so grateful that they're praying. But one of the things I really, really like about this prayer is we actually don't have an agenda. When we come to pray, we pray in the Spirit. And when we feel like we're running out of stamina, we sing in the Spirit. You don't want to hear me sing, so it's better that I sing in the Spirit. Greg knows. And we have Sam there with his guitar, and we just sing in the Spirit. And then we we transition and we pray. We continue to pray. The Word of God. There's another group of uh, men that are praying every Wednesday, 5 a.m. So ladies, I don't know. Men are praying. I hope you are praying. <laughs> oh, are you praying? Okay, great. Awesome. These guys, they have been praying every Wednesday, 5 a.m. for the last 10 years. I can tell you how many testimonies have been coming out of that prayer. Testimony after testimony of things that God has done Because of prayer. I want to encourage you to realize that when we pray, our prayers, when we when our prayers are no longer about ourselves, we start praying God's will. We are building a safe house for God's people. So when we are no longer just praying prayers about ourselves and praying for other people, we're building a safe house for other people. I want to move on to My next point, which is praying prayers that are beyond ourselves. When you pray for a troubled marriage, you're actually praying for future generations that are going to benefit from that marriage being saved. When you pray for a child who's troubled or having problems, you are praying for the future of that child. You are praying beyond yourself for what God will achieve with that prayer. We need to start praying beyond ourselves. I think there's this one big thing that I want you to get from today, that it is when we begin praying beyond ourselves, we'll pray in line with God's will. Because what breaks God's heart is what should break our hearts. What breaks God's heart is so many of his children who are out there who do not have a relationship with him. So let me say it again. Over and over, I'm going to say this. When we begin praying prayers that are beyond ourselves, that's when we are aligning with God's will. I also want to emphasize this point that when we pray for those who do not know him, God draws them in. God draws them in. About a year ago, I met a a guy from Germany at Delta Park Run. I keep telling you about uh, Delta Park Run, right? 
because I have faith that I'm going to see Pastor Greg in the Delta Park run at some point. I have big faith. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just yesterday, I was able to do 50 park runs. You know, that's a, a big achievement for, for a man over 40 like me. That's a big achievement. I met this guy, and a good uh, friend introduced me to him. And uh, this guy, this lady comes to our church and introduced us. And uh, this guy was interested to know more about our church because two of his colleagues come to this church. And this guy says about his colleagues that th- these two ladies, they have unexplainable joy. They have unexplainable joy. And I say this to you as Christians, we, 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 we have this joy that comes only in Christ through prayer. And this was attractional to this guy because this guy, early this year, having moved to South Africa, started coming to our church and I connected with him again and I started going through the foundations with him. He, I adopted him as my just one, Pastor Jess. He became my just one, you know. And we started doing the, the one-to-one. If you didn't know, the one-to-one, our foundations booklet, we have an app, and it's only 14 ranks. You can download it. And this guy being German, we are sitting there at Tasha's, and I say, we cannot download this app. Now I'm speaking his love language. For Germans, you know, engineering is important, and technology. And we download this app, and we start going through this app, you know, and about foundations. A few weeks ago, we were going through... Uh, a topic on lordship, and there's a lady sitting next to us, and uh, we are minding our business. We hope she's minding her business, and yet she was eavesdropping, listening to our conversation. At the end of the conversation, this lady says, man, I was so convicted by what you've been talking about. I've been away from the Lord for many years. Where is your church? God is at work in the city of Joburg, but where I'm going, I believe it was our prayers that drew my new friend, German guy, to the Lord. Two weeks ago in the service, he had an encounter with Jesus. Pastor Jesse was preaching in the evening, and he gave his life to the Lord. He is born again, and the story doesn't end there. Next week, Sunday, he'll be getting baptized. I'll be in the water, and I'm hoping the water will be warm. When we pray, we are drawing people into the safe house, which is the house of God, a refuge. Praying prayers that, are, that changes the course of history. When we pray, we need to pray prayers that changes the course of history. When we begin to pray prayers that are in line with God's will and prayers that are beyond ourselves, that's when we start changing the course of history. One thing that's so significant about Hannah's prayer that we don't realize, as I said earlier, Hannah was praying for a child. God was looking for a prophet. God was realizing that Eli was about to die. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were bad priests. I don't have time to tell you of some of the things that they were doing. They were just outside the will of God. But God wanted a prophet because God wanted Samuel to help transition Israel from the years of judges to kings. It is in 1 Samuel chapter 8 when Israel asks Samuel for a king. They say, we want a king. Hannah did not know when she was praying that her prayer was for a a prophet who's going to transition Israel from judges to kings. I want to say, I find that at times we pray small prayers. We pray for a car, we pray for promotion at work, 
we pray for prayers that are so self-centric, but we don't think about God's purpose and what He wants to achieve. So when we talk about prayers that pray that, that causes a change to history, this is one of the prayers I would like us to pray for Johannesburg. Because I believe that our prayers build cities of refuge for those who do not know the Lord. Every time I pray for Joe Burke, my heart just weeps. I just cry before the Lord because Joe Burke is known for so many negative things, though Joe Burke is meant to be a city of refuge. Joburg, prophetically speaking, is meant to be a city of abundance. Joburg is meant to be a city where people come and find refuge. So why I'm saying our prayers should build cities of refuge, if you read Joshua 20, it speaks about the cities of refuge that God appointed in Israel. He said when you enter the promised land, you need to appoint the cities of refuge. Please take this away. I want us to pray for Joburg not to be known as a crime capital of South Africa, but to be a Christ capital of South Africa. I want us to pray for Joburg not to be known for thuggery and corruption, but for Joburg to be known as Joyburg, the city of joy. I want us to pray for Joburg to be like the cities of refuge in Joshua 20. The Bible says the cities of refuge were cities where people, when they found themselves in trouble, they killed someone by mistake, not premeditated. They would run to the city of refuge and they'll be safe until they get a trial. The city of refuge, the Bible says, the roads were built, the ways were built so they can easily be accessible because Jesus is a typology, is an example of a city of refuge. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father without Jesus. City of refuge, the Bible says, their gates were not allowed to be closed so people can come in. Jesus says, if you are heavy laden, come to me, I'll give you rest. Cities of refuge were cities that were self-sufficient. They had enough food to provide for people. But I love the most is the temple of the Lord was where they would keep the people who were running away. So pray that Joburg will become a city of refuge. Let's give God the glory.